Welcome to the Workbrand Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and theworkbrand.com. Hi there, and welcome to episode six of This is the Cast, the WordPrint's Mandalorian-themed podcast. I'm your host, Christian, and today we've brought back some familiar voices from two episodes ago. Uh, ladies, would you care to introduce yourselves? Go for it, Mary. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Mary Fan. I'm a sci-fi fantasy author. My books include Starslip, Stronger Than a Bronze Dragon, and Windborn. I'm also the co-editor of the Brave New Girl series about girls in STEM, and you can find me online at maryfan.com. I've also been a Star Wars fan since I was 12 years old, which to me still feels like a late start because a lot of people talk about how they can't remember a time before Star Wars. Well, I can, so I think that makes me a late starter, but that's just me. And I've been a fan of Boba Fett forever. <laughs> so you'll love this episode. Oh, hells yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, my name is Carissa uh, in the book world. In social media world, I'm Carissa Laurel. I'm also an author of science fiction fantasy. And um, you can find my books online or on my website, carissalaurel.com. I have a young adult series um, and a adult urban fiction series based on Norse mythology. I also co assistant edit at Cast of Wonders, which is a young adult short fiction publication and podcast um and we put out stories almost weekly and like i said you can find me in all my social links on my website carissalarl.com you can also find me on twitter a whole whole lot and um being just a little older than mary uh i come from the original trilogy generation and i am definitely one of those who doesn't remember a time when star wars wasn't really a part of my life because I don't know, I don't even remember when I saw the first movie. I just remembered that whenever that happened, I was obsessed from that moment and forever after. Uh, and here it is, forty some years later, and I'm still just as crazy about Star Wars as always. That's one of the great things about Star Wars. It's like so multi generational. You know, there's fans of different like decades, pretty much of the different ones. Because like there's the original sect the 90s remastered and then like the new trilogy and then the newer trilogy so it, it, it's great that star wars can like kind of bring everyone together you know you know what perhaps relevant to this particular episode the first star wars movie i saw in theaters was attack of the clones yeah that's that's pretty crazy i think um a lot of our generation too because like i think you and i are pretty similar in age um like yeah, for I think for a lot of a lot of kids growing up, or when we were kids, I should say, or growing up as teens, um, that was like the first big one, like the new trilogy and stuff, and and they've definitely like tried to market it towards the youth of the time, <laughs> particularly Jar Jar, but, but um, yeah, so it's it's a different experience. Uh, I I remember watching the original films on VHS before watching the new trilogy, but I didn't really have that great of an opinion because I was like you know ten when the new ones were coming out, so I kind of just loved it all for the universe, you know. What were your original opinions? On. So the very first Star Wars movie I ever watched at all was The Phantom Menace, and it was kind of by an accident um, because I remember that was like, what, 99, and the It movie of the year was The Sixth Sense. So we went to the physical blockbusters looking for The Sixth Sense, and of course it was out, so we got a rain check, and we were like, well, we still want to watch something. So we just kind of go to the new releases wall and 
I just thought the poster looked cool. So I was like, hey, mom, what about this Star Wars thing? And she was like, sure, whatever, kid. And we went home and I watched it. But I was like, I think because I had no idea what Star Wars even was, I liked it because I thought it was pretty. But other than that, I was like, eh, whatever. But then actually, I think about like, it was several months later, I discovered the Star Wars trilogy novelizations in the school library read it, loved it, and then got myself um, the original trilogy on VCD, because that was a thing at one point, and (laughs) binge-watched the entire thing. Like, I told my dad I was going to bed at, like, 9. I thought I was just going to, like, sneakily watch one movie and then be asleep by 11. That didn't happen. I binge-watched the whole thing. Went to bed at, like, 4 a.m., went to school the next day, like, oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) And then you were kind of just, like, hooked on Star Wars ever since? Yep. And the reason why I brought up Attack of the Clones was because I was so, so excited about that movie coming out. I remember it was um, because I sort of discovered Star Wars between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And so I was one of those internet sleuths, like, looking for every behind-the-scenes snapshot, every, like, hint, every, like, potential spoiler ever. And I remember, like, the tease for Jango Fett was a huge one. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be part of the reason why I'm so into like Mandalorians in general, because I just remember being super excited about that being like, oh, my God, we get to see another like we get to see like Boba Fett's father. Oh, my God, this is gonna be so cool. Yeah, which is a great segue to this. Um, so Mandalorian chapter 14 is called The Tragedy. And uh, we're gonna we'll just dive, I guess, right into it since it's very much about spoilers, I guess, for anyone who listens to this, but you should know this already. It's about Boba Fett, which is amazing, and uh, how it kind of retcons back into the main Mandalorian storyline. So um, I have four questions today, if you don't mind answering them. And then after that, we can kind of just jump off and talk about uh, anything, if uh, if that's okay with both of you. Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay, cool. Uh, All right. So for Mandalorian Chapter 14, The Tragedy, uh, last episode, after meeting Ahsoka, we were given a task to take Baby Yoda to the Jedi Temple, and what seemed to be a promising Jedi-centric episode turned out to be a Boba Fest. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a joke. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what were your thoughts on Boba Fett's epic return and that dramatic entrance? Well, it's, for me, as soon as his ship comes out of the sky, I was like, whose ship is that? That looks like Boba Fett's ship. Is that Boba Fett's ship? <laughs> and, <laughs> was, and like, I was so proud of myself for recognizing his ship. <laughs> yeah, no, same here. I was like, oh my god, is it the? I think it's called the Slave One, if I remember correctly. Yep, the guys? Slave One. Dope. And I was definitely just like the minute like that silhouette showed up on screen, I was like, oh, it's the Slave One. Boba's back. Yeah, same here. And like, also props to him for keeping that thing pristine. Like everything else about him is a little rugged these days and stuff, which is fine. But that ship looks excellent. I'm like, did you have that hiding in like a garage somewhere? I was gonna say that it's been in a garage the whole time. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But I wasn't quite as sure and, and as familiar um, with that detail. But as soon as, like you said, it's all the silhouette. I was like, I know. I know I'm supposed to know what that is. And my guess was Boba Fish. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. <laughs> so I that up. I was like, okay, good. I didn't know what I was talking about. I, re- I felt really smart. for. <laughs> Clearly, you need to watch Empire a few more times. You would never forget that silhouette. Well, yeah. it has been a while, I think. But, like, my instincts were correct. So subconsciously somewhere I was confident in my knowledge that that was, was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> It's also cool because, like, I wasn't sure if Boba was coming back and that dramatic entrance where, you know, Baby Yoda's, like, kind of, you know, d- uh, on the rock doing its meditation thing and uh, Boba kind of just arrives on the ship and Mando's sort of, like, panicked about, like, oh, no, what what is this? 
um, and, and the escalation with the stormtroopers was just a really good action sequence, which leads to, I guess, this next question. Um, this episode was directed by one of my favorite directors, Robert Rodriguez. He was a director known in the 1990s for reinventing independent cinema with low-budget action films and frequent use of the Mexican standoff. I mention that because literally moments into the introduction, we see a Mexican standoff between Boba, Mando, and Fennec. Thoughts about that opening standoff and many of the action sequences featured in this episode with the many shootouts uh, of, uh, of the tragedy. I was thinking it was very Western, and it's funny. I actually, me and Dustin have watched a lot of Robert Rodriguez, my, my son. Um, mm-hmm. Him for the kid stuff, you know, he's, oh my gosh, he loves Charvoy and Love Girl so much. When See, I thought you were going to say Spy Kids, but okay, go on, sorry. Oh, that too, but, but he was really little um, when Char, and he was obsessed with that movie. And I have this memory of him reenacting a fight scene from the, um, from that movie on an empty stage at this fancy restaurant that we were out at dinner and we had finished eating and we were all sitting around and he was bored. He wasn't even like four years old yet. Mm-hmm. And he jumps up on that stage and just does this whole fight scene that Starboy does. <laughs> and <laughs> everybody in the restaurant just thought it was a hoot because he was so cute. But anyway, so he, you know, and he's, yes, yeah, Spy Kids and, you know, they're coming out with another... He's coming out with another one in that Sharp Boy Lava Girl world or whatever. Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sharp Boy Lava, um, Lava Girl's kids. Uh, uh, so that's how old we are now. Uh, <laughs> Sharp Boy and Lava Girl have kids. But anyway, and then I know him from, you know, from some of his, like, more outlandish movies like... Um, Desperado, El Mariachi. Yeah, and... Well, uh, What's the one where, like, Rose McGowan has the machine gun leg? Um, oh, that's uh, Grindhouse, yeah. um, Planet Terror. <laughs> that's a great movie. <laughs> I Oh, my God. You love Planet Terror? Because I do, too. Yeah, yeah. Was, that was a crazy good movie. But anyway, so, yeah, this one's uh, Rodriguez, uh, definitely. I mean, you could tell it had a lot of his signature on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly, I, I like the, the rocket. Um, the rocket knee pads. <laughs> that was crazy. And I was like, that seems like a very Robert Rodriguez thing to have like a weapon in a random body part. Yep, <laughs> that, exactly. Just kind of out of nowhere. Um, and yeah, it's the shootouts and stuff. Uh, Mary, as somebody who's a Boba fan, what were your thoughts about seeing like Boba finally kicking some serious butt here? I was so excited because this is the first time we've really seen Boba at his peak. Um, I mean, we, we got to see Django Fett in Attack of the Clones, of course, you know, sort of kick Obi-Wan's butt. But mm-hmm. as far as Boba himself, he doesn't really get to do that much in the original trilogy. Like, he just kind of shows up and captures the good guys in one episode. In the next episode, he just kind of goes out like a chump. So this was the first time we've got to see, see like, real Boba Fett really kick some butt in, like, a live-action, like, screen um, thing. And it was really awesome. I did think it was really interesting to choice to, instead of give him, like, a blaster or other some other kind of like shooty weapon to give him like basically a giant club yes <laughs> okay so I, I was hoping that would naturally transition so like the second half of the fet fights <laughs> i'm gonna call it that uh is very much like him in the armor and the rocket launcher and the, and the lasers and stuff and, and it's amazing and it's dope and it's everything that we've ever dreamed of but the first half really shows you that boba isn't just somebody with the armor it's he's beyond the armor which is like his signature thing like he's just a badass overall like 100 percent. and like a large part of that was that first half with the the melee fighting with the, with the was it a club or a staff or whatever right 
Yeah, something like that. I really appreciate the detail um, of having the stormtrooper armor shatter underneath it. Because I don't Mm -hmm. think we've ever seen that before. Like, we've usually seen, like, stormtroopers just kind of go, oh, no, and, like, just go splat. But this is the first time we've actually seen, like, little white flecks shatter off of the armor. And that's when you realize, oh, my God, this guy has really beaten them hard. Yeah, and I I loved every minute of it. And there there was so for for a for a thirty minute episode, I feel like fifteen minutes of this was just action sequences. Yeah, like I think I was talking to you about this before. My one complaint about this episode was that I thought it was too short. Yeah, I agree. And I actually, y'all were kind of to break the fourth wall here, waiting on me to finish this episode so we could talk about it. And like <laughs> one of the things that I messaged y'all was like, oh my God, <laughs> Boba is so brutal. Because it, exactly like Mary said, the, yeah, the violence normally in, in Star Wars, especially with the stormtroopers, has always been kind of cartoonish, you know? And, and, yeah. And mild and he she was i noticed that exact detail too mary i was like oh my gosh he's tearing them up like that last scene when he he the end of his staff thing i don't even know what that was it was like sharp and brutal you know heavy like a club and it cut through the armor and and the one stormtroopers laying there with his like helmet semi bashed in and semi sliced through and his limbs are all akimbo and he's awkward and I was just like holy crap I have never seen a Star Trooper get beat up like that before I noticed it too it was it was a very brutal fight but I was I also loved it because yeah Boba Fett was just really amazing and you know maybe we aren't supposed to think about these kinds of things but it's the same actor you know, mm-hmm. and so he's aged along with all the rest of us. <laughs> and he just he just had a beautiful fighting style and he didn't seem slowed down by his age very much at all or whatever he's been doing on Tatooine all this time. But he um he just really is still a warrior, you know. hundred percent. They called I, him Dad Bod Fett if I remember right. <laughs> I do want to ask, how old is Boba Fett at this point? I was trying to do the math in my head, and I just could not figure it out. Like, how long after Return of the Jedi is Mando supposed to take place? Somewhere between five and ten years, I believe. So he was ten years old in Attack of the Clones. He'd be in, what, his 50s now? Mm-hmm. That seems like I believe the, the math is somewhere early 50s or late 40s, but it's confusing because, like, even Obi-Wan, he's supposed to be a lot younger than the original actor, uh, uh, Alec McGuinness. Um, so, like... I don't. I don't really know how time works in Star Wars. <laughs> like, if I remember correctly, I think Obi Wan's only supposed to be in his fifty, like fifty five, I think. But he he doesn't look like a fifty five year old. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. The t- time is weird. Um, I, I want to say that maybe um, because he's a clone, or yeah, no, he is a clone. Um, even though they said that he's not uh, advanced accelerated aging. There is a small chance that, you know, because he's a clone, there was some sort of scientific process that went wrong. And, like, maybe Boba advanced age just a little smidgen. Um, but I don't know. I actually don't have the answer for that. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think it's just that they wanted the actor back and they didn't care that he looks about <laughs> 20 years older than he's supposed to. Yeah. But do you know what the in-universe reason could be? I mean, he was, like, looking pretty scarred. And he did spend time, you know, being covered in acid in the Sarlacc pit and stuff. So he's, he might just be scarred. And it makes him look old. (laughs) Yeah, and like his head's all like messed up and stuff, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so let's keep going with these questions. Uh, all right, so this is a big one for me. One of the Disney princesses returns to Disney Plus, not just with the Mulan live action movie, which debuted, I believe, today, but with the original Mulan herself in this episode, Ming Na Wen. How do you feel about her return as Fennec and her new partnership with Boba Fett? I was so glad she returned because I was really peeved when her character died in uh, season one. I was like, mm-hmm. wait, what? You tease this amazing character, you show her for one episode, and then you just kill her off like what the devil is that so i'm so glad she came back and i'm so glad she did so in a way that seems like she's going to have at least a two episode possibly more like longer arc yeah um especially since um i'm kind of biased but asian girls for the win okay like i'm so glad that there's another asian girl in uh, star wars finally after rose tico yeah no definitely and like i i a lot of fans were wondering if the person who was helping her out and i think season one was boba fett and this kind of just confirmed everything that fans wanted which is i think why uh mandalorian's doing so well is because it's it's doing so much like gratification for fans and like what what they've been looking for for a very long time you know giving boba you know more action sequences and making him an official mandalorian apparently this episode confirmed the canon that he and and jango were mandalorians because of the uh the armor if i remember correctly like something yeah. About the, yeah 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 they said that uh jango was an actual mandalorian he was a foundling like um din jaren mando himself yes. and um i guess now that because jango was an official mandalorian boba is too which i'm so glad about because i was always kind of salty about the fact that they took boba's armor gave it to this other people and then said he wasn't even a member of that people i was like wait what you can't just do that yeah like the whole mandalorian concept is because of boba you can't just deny boba fett mandalorianness <laughs> Yeah, which is dope that they they did like a small story arc retconning everything in this episode. It's like okay, now we we heard you. Here you go. Which is it's nice that they they're doing a lot of foreshadowing and foresight for the series. Well, the one thing I, I'm combining worlds. I'm totally jumping off onto something else here. No, it's totally fine. Back to Ming Na Wen, um, who we love. So even though I'm not watching it as much anymore, and I'm behind a couple seasons, you know, I loved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I loved her in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so when she when she showed up, I had to for, you know, cross worlds for a minute and said, the cavalry is here! <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> and she totally like lived up to that whole badass. She's so good at that. And I was very excited to see that she came back. So, um, I had like two fangirl moments. One from the fact that she came back from season one and then two just because I just love her in general. So um, she's so believable in all her butt-kicking roles and everything. And I think it's going to be a really fun team to see her um, team up with Bubba and with Mando and uh, see what those three are going to do together. That's a very, very interesting team. But I also think... and I don't want to get too far ahead, but I was really excited that they worked it out. <laughs> like, what do you mean? that Boba's sense of honor and Mando's sense of honor were pretty similar. And I don't know if that's a Mandalorian trait, I guess, um, which just goes further to support that he's part, you know, he's Mandalorian. Mandalorian or whatever. But, you know, they're at odds over the armor, but once they work together for a common purpose, and then the, both of them so fundamentally believe in upholding their oaths and promises and that that's going to put them together into probably a really awesome team. I have a, I'd like to see where that's going to go. I was excited by that 
I mean, seeing Boba and Mando shoot like back to back, that's going to be so cool in the next few episodes. Uh, to be honest, this whole episode felt like a setup for an Avengers type situation with the Mandalorian universe. That's right? true, especially since they uh, destroyed the Razor Crest. So Mando has no choice but to go with Boba if he wants to get off this freaking rock. Uh huh. And then they're recruiting other people too. So it's like, okay, I see where this is going. They are making an Avengers team. You're so right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cara Dunes was like, I don't want to do this. And it's like, well, they took the kid. Okay, I'm in. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they're getting that sniper back. It's like they're, they're, they have a whole team set up, like the most badass team from everything we've seen in this universe going to save Baby Yoda in these next two episodes. At least that's what it seems like. I don't know. Um, all right. Last question. By episode's end, Moff Gideon captures Baby Grogu. I'm never going to get used to saying that name. No. Uh, what are your thoughts about the return of the Empire? And what do you think Moff Gideon's plan for the child is? Oh, you got an idea, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited to see the return of the Empire. I mean, it's well, always... for Boba, it's the return of the Empire. But, like, we've known yeah. that they're technically back for a while. But, yeah. Yeah, I guess because, like, one of my main complaints with season one was that it felt kind of directionless. And season two seems to have fixed that by giving mando a common like a like a common thread throughout all the episodes like every episode he's trying to get baby yoda back to his um his people and by the way can i just make an aside here i feel like this is the only time i've ever watched a show where there are two like main characters whose names are obscured and then the names are revealed and you just care so little you continue referring to them by like what you refer to them as before you knew their names like they're mando and baby yoda like who is dinjarin and grogu like i don't know yeah, there's, I mean, also, it's so hard to pronounce Dinjarin. <laughs> doesn't roll off the tongue well. Anyway, so they did tease, you know, the Empire with a Darksaber and uh, Moff Gideon at the end of season one. And I'm really glad they've been sort of dropping in teasers for season two because it's it's really giving the show a direction. Like, there's a tangible goal and a tangible threat, which for me makes the show a lot more interesting than when they were going off on a bunch of random side quests in season one. Mm-hmm. And as for the Empire's plans for baby Gro- grogu baby yoda yeah. <laughs> baby g thing yep um i mean i think we people have been speculating about this from the start and i feel like it's become pretty obvious in the screen too that they want to use him to they want to harvest his midichlorians and create like four super stormtroopers super soldiers if you will because this is apparently the avengers uh, <laughs> carissa what were your thoughts on yeah. the empire Exact same thing that Mary said, I think. I had assumed all along that they were going to end up getting Baby Yoda back. Mm -hmm. I always thought the plot would go in that direction. And that Mando was going to have to save him again. So when, when that happened, I was, you know, of course... You know, you know, upset in the sense, you know, you don't hurt my baby. But, um, <laughs> but I always thought that was going to happen. I always felt like that that was where the plot was going to lead. So it was not, I wasn't like disappointed or devastated. And um, I just expect, you know, that there have been the, the big boss fight at the end of the movie is going to be getting Baby Yoda back from moff gideon's team or whatever and yeah i agree i think it's the same purpose they they want more of his i mean it ended with them telling the the head scientist doctor dude to let him know that they had the child so obviously they want to resume whatever experimentations and um program that they had started in the first episode i mean in the first season so Mm -hmm. and i agree i think it's going to be that some sort of super soldier situation Uh, i think they literally call baby yoda a donor at some point yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. Also, we we didn't talk about it. The 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 dark troopers. Yeah, I was gonna wonder if that was gonna organically come up. Um, yeah, the dark troopers, the super soldier robot things, right? Yeah, I guess that's what I was wondering. I was like, I don't know enough about the lore or whatever off page, you know, if it's in books or in canons or whatever. So I wasn't exactly sure about them. Um, I don't know. It's bad. I couldn't decide how I felt about them, if they felt Star Wars-y or Empire-y or not. They were interesting. Interesting. They felt kind of like uh, Sentinels from X-Men. They like, did. That's what they reminded me of, like right down to their uh, their design. Very much so. Which also makes sense because that's also a Disney product now, too. <laughs> yeah. Keep forgetting everything's Disney these days. Yeah. Uh, um, it's interesting to see the Dark Troopers be incorporated because they're apparently a very like deep, menacing villain, kind of like... Uh, uh, the Red Soldiers and the uh, the new trilogies. I can't remember their names, though. Um, so there'll, there'll be an interesting, like, boss fight for the future uh, for whatever team we're assembling here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think right now the Empire seems super menacing, and that Moff Gideon has a lot of the old pieces assembled, um, but I don't, I'm not fully sure uh, where they're going to take uh, baby Grogu and where this final confrontation seems to be happening. I do have a gut feeling though personally that Ahsoka is going to come back in some way shape or form before the season's over. What do you think? I really hope so because I mean I did understand why she wouldn't want to train Baby Yoda but it was also a bit of a bummer that she only showed up for one episode so mm-hmm. yeah if they're assembling the Avengers like might as well get her too. Yeah, basically. The only real Jedi there. I kind of wouldn't be surprised to see her again because there is it rumors or is it confirmed that they're going to do an Ahsoka uh, show now? So I, I think it would be nice if she showed up again and built a little more platform for her, if that's the case. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see her again. Yeah, uh, I think right now it's rumored, but it's heavily implied that they're going to be doing it. So um yeah, I mean, it, I'm super excited to see it happen, if it if and when it does. But um, Disney Plus is, like, greenlining a lot of projects at the moment. So um, it's, it seems very plausible, especially for Star Wars, since they need more content to kind of expand their universe right now. Also, um, I don't know if it's going to end now that we're kind of moving on to any other topics within the movie. The other thing that I kind of noticed at the end, too, was, you know, this kind of ended on the scene of Moff Gideon coming into the room with baby Yoda and he's battling the two stormtroopers but really I feel like they put those stormtroopers in there more to menace baby Yoda just to see what he could do and would do 100% not because they were there to do him harm and he was protecting himself Um, and so it was all just like a big experiment and now I know we've talked so much about our worries for his morality development. Now I'm, my bigger worry isn't even so much, I guess, about what they're going to do to him in a medical lab or whatever, but that he could be somehow open to being turned to the dark side. Yeah. Yeah. Turn to the dark side or at least lose any hope for, being more morally, you know, good, good I guess. Mm. Um, I actually, Mando has, while he's not, you know, Jedi, he is, he does have some sense of honor and 
duty and loyalty and you know he generally is into helping often the the those who are in bad situations and the you know against people who are corrupt or more powerful whatever and i still you know he has some hope for being a somewhat beneficial influence but um but i just worried that that showed us that the dark side is or that Moff gideon and empire is interested in him medically but also interested in manipulating his power for their benefits and maybe trying to turn him into a creature that they can they can use and that worries me maybe more than anything else they might do to him can i just say when um baby yoda was first kidnapped i might have been one of the only people in the world who was just like "Eh, okay because i'm not (laughs) worried about his safety at all like this kid we have seen is powerful and he can take care of himself from a physical standpoint like i think because he's small and like they give him like human baby type sound effects we're tempted to think of him as like a baby baby but now it's been revealed like he has all these crazy powers and he was like trained on coruscant like at the original jedi temple and has survived like 50 years of war it's like oh this kid is a survivor like don't let that like little green face fool you like (laughs) he is not helpless in any way shape or form so i agree with carissa like i'd be more worried about his moral development than his physical safety um agree oh sorry go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, um, I don't know how many of you guys watched Charmed back in the day, but <laughs> one of the sisters, like, has a kid, and this kid is going to be, like, you know, a powerful, I don't know, warlock someday or something, and then a bunch of, like, angel-type figures kidnap him, thinking he's going to turn dark, but in their attempts to, like, kind of mess with him, they turn him dark. Mm. I kind of feel like that's what's happening with Baby Yoda. Like, maybe if they just left him alone, he would have been fine, but now that they're, like, threatening him, and he's, like, you know, using his powers to, like force choke stormtroopers and stuff like his attempts to protect himself might actually turn him to the dark side more than anything the empire would do intentionally hundred yeah. um, percent i am concerned about that because as you both mentioned like he's very powerful yes but more importantly and it's a detail that you just mentioned uh that that freaks me out a little bit is the force choke the force choke is very much a dark side ability it's very much an aggressive attack thing that you don't see jedis really use it that often because it's not a way of protecting life it's just a way of destroying it frankly and uh yoda was uh, baby yoda was force choking one of the stormtroopers like throughout the entire scene and it was like kind of disturbing because it's like uh-oh that's a red flag right there that's a big warning sign that this kid is very much on the path that we've been warning about for the past three episodes um so 100 percent agree and totally terrified uh and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, trained, so it knows the force very well where it can do this. Although it is adorable that they give the little baby twist where because when it over when Baby Yoda overexerts itself, um, it gets tired and needs a baby nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I noticed that too. He's he's an interesting being. I it, I don't know what still don't quite know what to make of him even after all this time. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are just enamored by the big ears and big eyes. And just like, oh, how cute, like little baby, little baby. But it's like, wait, just close your eyes for a sec and think about what he actually does. It's like, I'm a little bit scared of him because he's shown just no moral center whatsoever. And meanwhile, has all these wackadoodle powers. And this was like a really good job on the part of the puppeteers. He looked really menacing in that last scene. Like, just the anger in his eyes. I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm scared of this being. <laughs> I'm scared of this baby. This is the He's most not a baby, though. Baby. He's 50 years old, and he was trained at the original Jedi Temple. <laughs> but we call him Baby Yoda, so just by definition, baby. I, I don't know. I think John Favreau knows what he's doing with that. I, I, I 
feel like he does if you trust him but i i think he's he very much knows what he's doing by playing with this uh, you know adorable facade and you know the adorable mannerisms that he has and everything and then packing all of that power and potential into that little adorable package i think he loves he knows what he's doing to create that uh conflict there Mm-hmm. totally it's an inter- it's a great internal conflict too because it's you see the contrast of the duality of like cute little adorable thing but powerful enough to destroy star destroyers <laughs> it's like oh and okay. also no moral center let's let's not forget that this kid has zero moral center mando's trying his best he's a single parent and <laughs> you know he, he's he's constantly working with no money and you know i don't know <laughs> now his ship is blown up yeah, yeah. he just yeah. got it fixed too poor thing Oh, so speaking of the blown up ship, I like that the one thing that survived was the Beskar spear yeah. that he yes. got. Yes. Yeah, that was cool. One of the things I mentioned in the podcast last week with one of my other friends um, was uh, that uh, Pedro Pascal is highly trained in Wushu with, with spear usage because of Game of Thrones. Because I don't know if you've watched Game of Thrones, but his character uh, was like a spear wielder and he was like fantastic in this, this fight sequence uh, to, to fight against the mountain um, in that episode. But like it seems like because he has a spear in Mandalorian, he might actually wield that thing. Um I'm kind of excited for that potential sequence. And uh, I don't know, like, what what are your thoughts on, on the Beskar spear and maybe a, a potential Pedro Pascal stabbing some? I mean, yeah. I haven't seen Game of Thrones, so I don't know about that. But if that's true, that'd be really smart of them. Because the fact is, Mando is a 100% physical character for the most part. Like, mm-hmm. you can't see his face at all. And oftentimes, he's just put into these action sequences where he doesn't really get a chance to have much dialogue. So yeah, if, they, if, he, if Pedro Pascal has some amazing physical ability they should 100% use it because that's what's really making his character cool that's uh, that's a, yeah and agree and 100% that was like something that he very much brought to this character like once he signed on because it's like all right I don't have a mat or I don't have a face so everything 100% needs to be through body motion so this entire series has been like diligently doing precise movements with everything and like the way he stands the way he holds himself the way he like relaxes the way he interacts with baby you know, Yoda, it's it's crazy the amount of details that uh, he's put into to the role uh, when he has no face, essentially. Well, you know, that made, y'all talking about that made me think of the opening where he was, um, you know, taking the little toy ball, whatever it is, um, from Yoda and then baby Yoda and then getting them to take it back from him with the force. And his, um, he did have sort of a, emotional reaction to that and you know when when Yoda exerted the force to pull the ball from his hand again you know he got kind of he did get emotional with that and that came through I thought that was interesting and then when he was trying to explain to Grogu that um you know the nice lady who was uh you know trying to help or whatever that was an interesting moment because he was being more parental there than than I've seen him in some of the other places and so Mando is kind of growing into this role meanwhile you still don't know what's going on inside that baby's head (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was a great little scene like it was really it wasn't very long but I think that's the most emotion we've seen out of Mando in a while like you could tell like he's 
you know, first he's like giggling because like the kid is actually responding to his name, and then he's like pr- like a proud parent about the fact that the kid can like force grab the ball and. Yeah, it's like wow, we actually get to see Mando as a human for the first time in a while. That's dope. It's it shows a lot of growth that he can put aside, you know, the violent. I need to do this type person, you know, and and be sentimental. I, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Any any other like thoughts about the series so far? Where we're going? The final two episodes and stuff. Oh, we only have two left. I know. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, it's been. I've been enjoying the heck out of it. I do wonder you know one of the guys that um have just been watching it with us and joined us the last time we all talked two episodes ago he said something about his wife being very upset with john favreau after this episode and i'm i'm not i'd love to know what exactly she was upset about i don't know if it's because they stole baby yoda which i think that's it (laughs) yeah i was like well we always knew that was going to happen or if it was something else, I, I would like to know because I think that's all it was too. But I'm with you, Mary, in that I'm I'm worried about what's happened happening morally for this kid, and um, you know whether he has the potential to to flirt with the dark side or whatever. And that would have me more worried than his kidnapping because I think, like I said, I think the kidnapping was set up from the beginning that it was going to happen, and I. Star Wars likes the good guy to win, so I have faith, you know, that the good, whoever the good guys are, you know, they're questionably moral, are, are going to ultimately win in the end. Um, I think that means they're going to get Grogu back, and I hope that means in the long run that they're going to find the right situation for him to develop in a, in a good way. Um, that may be a longer story, but I'm, I'm not so worried for the short term. I, I think they, you know, the right side will prevail. I think um, just the reactions to Baby Yoda are an interesting sort of way of observing how people react to physical traits of characters. Like, because Baby Yoda is cute, that is all people really care about. So I think the reason why maybe Victor and his wife were steamed about that episode is because they're like, how did you hurt this adorable little baby? Never mind that this adorable little baby can force choke stormtroopers. Yeah. Um, and I'm just reminded of, like, the reaction to Kylo Ren back in the day where, like, he shows up in The Force Awakens and is just a complete nightmare of a human being. Like, you know, is murdering left and right. But he's hot. So we're all in love with him and we want him to end up with Rey. <laughs> it's like apparently physical attractiveness is all it takes for people to just root for a character no matter what. I mean, that's not entirely wrong. Um... Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. And uh, I I don't know, part of me is wondering, like, does that mean we go to Baby Yoda the teenage years, like 300 <laughs> to 300 years down the line? <laughs> oh, You know what? Star Wars is particularly guilty of the whole, like, attractive equals good guy, unattractive equals bad guy trope that um, is often seen in genre fiction and that a lot of people are finally starting to push back against. But of course, it's really hard to move the needle on these kinds of things. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, bad guys are ugly. Good guys look good. If you're ugly, you must be a bad guy. Or if you're attractive, that means you're a bad guy that can be redeemed, you know? Yep. That's like, oh, so basically yeah. a good guy. Yeah, so they yeah. basically had to take Anakin and burn him into a horrible-looking burn victim. And now that's when he could be a truly bad guy, because otherwise he was too pretty to be a bad guy. <laughs> there you go. Had to ugly him up first. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're on to something, Mary. Oh my god, and same with Palpatine. Like, you know, he wasn't exactly hot, but you know, still just a decent looking, like handsome politician guy. They had to ugly him up before he became Palpatine. You're right. They become so evil that the evilness seeps out onto their skin. That's kind of what happens. It's like, oh, you're ugly now on the outside as you are on the inside. Or you're beautiful on the outside like you are on the inside, mm-hmm. depending on your arc. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, final or is there anything else you guys want to talk about before I guess we do final thoughts? <laughs> no, I feel like those were kind of my final thoughts. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. Well, uh, all right. So then, uh, I guess final whatever you want to say about uh, Mandalorian so far and uh, and this episode or or just about the Lord universe, uh, etc. For me, I'll just say that, again, uh, huge Robert Rodriguez fan and super excited that he was able to do this. I hope that they they bring in more uh, crazy high profile directors down the line. I think of all the directors they've done so far, he was like my favorite just because I'm a huge fan of his. And also um, it, it opens the, the door. I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is Quentin Tarantino, I expect you to do an episode yeah, next year. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, they're best friends, right? So it's like, okay, right. this is kind of the natural progression. Tarantino was rejected from doing a Star Trek episode or doing a Star Trek movie. So yeah, do an episode of Mandalorian. It seems like the natural progression. Right. No. No. <laughs> No, I love Tarantino movies, but I can't say that they, the one thing Rodriguez had go had going for him is spy, his spy kids and his lo, short, sharp boy and lava girl stuff make mm-hmm. you able to see him do Star Wars stuff. Um, but Quentin does not have any of that in his wheelhouse, so it would be hard to imagine him doing anything. <laughs> Tarantino is a bloody misogynist that I don't have him anywhere near Star Wars. He would probably have, like, Cara Dune be, like, randomly dismembered just so that he could lovingly film the blood. Yeah, but in, nobody bleeds in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he do it, but I I still... Problematic or horrible or not, I, like, I really love Tarantino movies. <laughs> I do, too. Guilty pleasure. Well. Um, but I, I, lo- I love Rodriguez more, though, because he's done more for the Hispanic community. And also, like, I, I just love that he shoots everything in Mexico and, like, Austin, Texas. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he did a great job on this episode. I really liked it. And I would agree with y'all. I felt when it was over, I was like, really? It's over already? Because I could have had a lot more. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed this one. Might might rival the first episode for being my favorite so far. It was a very simple episode. Like, not a lot happens. They just get to the planet, meet Boba Fett, and fight some stormtroopers. But there was just so much visually going on that it managed to fill an entire half an hour. And I guess my complaint about it being too short is, like, both because I wanted to see more, and I kind of want a little more to happen, but I guess they're saving that for the next two chapters. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree with you on that. Um, I'm excited for the Avengers Assemble next episode, uh, (laughs) and then the epic conclusion, which is going to happen. I do wonder where we go after this, though, because, like... I literally have no idea how you can resolve this season, uh, with the exception of being, okay, we get Baby Yoda back, but, like, now what? Does Mando train him? Do, like, do we find more Jedis? I, I don't know, but I'm excited to find out. And I think so far, Favreau's done a good job of tying it all together. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's all for this episode. Is there anywhere people can follow you both that you would like to, or if there's anything you'd like to promote? You can find my, me online at uh, my website, maryfan.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook pretty frequently. I don't know, these days I'm just always on the internet. 
And uh, yeah, check out my books. Yeah, same for me, uh, carissalaurel.com, you know, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, Mary and I have a new project that we're both involved with coming out soon. Um, so you'll see us promoting uh, Thrilling Adventure Yarns, second volume. And, Ooh. Um, I, I've got a young adult anthology that I'll be, that's getting close to promotional stages and I'll be working on that soon. And, um, Mary is always working on something. She just <laughs> trilogy and now she's just finishing it. I'm going to finish another novel I know for, um, in NaNoWriMo. So, uh, we've always got something to talk about online. Yeah. And I love following you both. You guys are amazing storytellers. <laughs> Why, thank you. We try. Sometimes. <laughs> all the time, my gosh. <laughs> um, all right. And you can, you know, I'm your host, Christian. You can follow me on XN underscore Angelus on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, all my articles on the wordprint.com. And uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of it for this one. Uh, we've got two more episodes left of This is the Cast. Uh, next week will be um, uh, some... Old guests, but also some new ones. You'll see when we get there. And then um, the last episode will be bringing it back with the uh, the original uh, work printers uh, for, for that one to kind of just wrap up the series on the whole. And then afterwards, we're actually going to do a podcast like a month down the line on, um, uh, what is it? Uh, the other Disney Plus series that's coming out. Ah, my brain. Um, WandaVision. There you go. Uh, so you check that out uh, back in january but uh thank you everyone for listening thank you mary and carissa for being awesome guests thanks for having me yeah, yeah thanks for having us yeah it was totally dope and uh yeah uh for those uh listening we'll see you next week all right take care <laughs>